We are here to pray for your special one. We have been preparing for this moment. Okay? We want to pray for you. (laughs) We want to know what's in your heart. We want to know how we can serve you. So the first thing is just to, if you need prayer, come to come for you. You can walk up with your friend for prayer because I know sometimes it's scary. Like, will you come with me? Okay. But just walk up with them and when just you can stand next to them. That'd be great. That's no problem. But we're also going to ask you, what is God speaking to you? What are your needs? We want to minister to you. Next thing is every time there's prayer, an opportunity, go get it. Like, you can have as much prayer as you want. We're not going to stop that, all right? So if you come in this line and we're praying for you and you're done, you're like, oh, I want to be prayed for again. Go for it. Go for it. But get prayer. Get prayer. Get encouragement for one another. We're taught. I don't know this this teaching came into our lives that we really don't need anybody else. I just need me. And me and God is all about me and God, and I don't need anyone in my business. But if you look through the word, the word does not teach that. And we'll get into that more tomorrow. But you're here for you. Also, I know there's a lot of awesome, talented um, ladies here who hear from the Lord, who receive words or prayers or different things. And if you're not a prayer minister, I want you to do this. I want you to take that gift. And I just want you to put it on the shelf, or I want you to use it for yourself. Being a person who I hear from the Lord, and he gives me words for people, but I have to do the same thing during my times of refreshing. Like, Lord, I'm going to prophesy over myself. (laughs) What are you saying to me? I want you to be here for you. And so um, if you have something on your heart, you're like, oh, but I really feel this, write it down. Give it to one of the prayer ministers, and then I will look at it another time. Okay? We'll look and see. But I really want you to be here for you and focus on you. Can we do that? Awesome. Amen. So, so, so good news. So, and the prayer ministry team, I don't know how to say this. Our shirts are oatmeal. Okay? The other shirts are white. Okay. What's the difference, Lisa? I don't know. Okay, mine does, mine does, yeah, yours has a v-neck and ours ha- does not. All right. Um, so if you um, are approached by people with v-necks, say, please don't pray for me. I want to pray for someone with a circle neck. <laughs> there you go. That works. That's a good idea. So we're the circle necks, your prayer ministers. Okay? Okay. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start right now, because we come from so many different walks of life. This evening, we're going to go back to the basics. Okay, so how many here know Jesus? Yes! How many love Jesus? How many love him? I want to know you more, Jesus. That's awesome. I love this. I know you guys just love him. But I want to go back before that even, because there may be some of you here who don't understand. Okay? We live in Oklahoma, so here, kind of between my microphone and my mouth, sorry, okay. We're in Oklahoma, and we are in the Bible Belt. You guys get that. Okay, so wherever you go, you're like, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. You're like, really? Okay, okay, you're a Christian? Wow, I did not know that, you know. And so I want to start off identifying 
different beliefs that some of us have maybe been taught our whole lives about what a Christian is. Okay? So, Christian, we've learned being a believer. We've heard that term. Being saved. Being born again. Those are some terms we're all familiar with. That all means being a Christian. Follower of Jesus. Okay? So, the first, the first myth. Being a Christian means when I die, I get to go to heaven. That's what Christianity means. Oh, I'm a Christian because when I die, I'm going to heaven. And that's why I'm here. And I'm just going to go to heaven. That's all. That's all it means. Okay. All right. So, next one. I'm a Christian if I attend church. As long as I go to church on Easter, if I go on Christmas, and maybe a couple other times, then I'm in with a good Lord. <laughs> he knows me. I've been to that church. <laughs> you know? So funny going to people, oh, I've got to get back in church. Okay? You know, like, I need to be a Christian again. That's kind of how it's used. Um, I'm a Christian if I've been baptized or an adult. I've been baptized as an adult or an infant. Now, I'm telling you, I was baptized when I was an infant because at the time that was our theology. But I'm telling you, it did not make me a Christian. Okay? Not at all. Just because you've been baptized does not mean that you are a believer. Okay? Okay. I'm a Christian if I have a membership to a church. Or I'm an elder. Or I'm on the church board. Or I carry some title of responsibility. I'm women's ministry, mania, guru, whatever. Okay. That makes me a Christian. (laughs) Sorry. Oops. No, it doesn't. Okay. How about... Well, I'm a good person. I'm a really good person, and I do the best I can. That makes me a Christian, because I'm really good. No, you know, I'm really, really good. You guys don't get it. I'm really good, and so I have to be a Christian. Okay, I heard that. Wrong. <laughs> or, you know, I was born a Christian, my parents are Christians, they're actually missionaries, and I just grew up in Christian, and I'm always, I've just been that my whole life. Okay, so there's different little things that, that make us go, oh, does that make me a Christian? So what I want to do is I want to get all of us seeing through the same lens of what it means to be a Christian. Are you ready? Okay. So what does it mean to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus? Okay, so first, being a Christian is not about doing, but it's about being. Okay? It's not about what I have to do. It's about what I get to do. It's about what's on the inside. It's not about jumping through the hoops to get a prize. It's about who I am. Okay? So first we know, first sin entered Through one act of disobedience. Say one act of disobedience. That's when Adam ate the apple. (laughs) Right? Okay. Genesis 3-7. It says, the eyes of both Adam and Eve were opened, and they felt shame, and they were naked. They knew that. Like right away when he bit that apple, boom, sin entered the world. In Romans 5-12, we're going to go with a New Living Translation. It says... Is that a scripture up there? Okay, just listen then. When Adam sinned, it says sin entered the world. 
Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. So he started it, okay? I like it. I tell CJ, my husband's a pastor, you know. I tell it's your fault. It really wasn't ours, okay? You all are the one who sinned, not us, okay? That was Bible, okay, just so you know. So we needed a savior. We needed someone to save us from the sin, from death, and from judgment. We needed a savior, and that was Jesus. First Timothy 1.15, it says, and it says, Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's pretty basic, isn't it? That's why he came. Jesus. That's the only person who came into the world to save sinners. It was Jesus. Yay. Awesome. Okay. I got it. All right. So next, we're going to go to Colossians 1.19. It's coming. Okay. It said, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. All right. Okay. It says, for in him, in God, okay, in him, sorry, in Jesus. So when I point to the cross, that means Jesus. Okay. So hang with me. When I point up, that's to God. Okay. We got that? All right. So in him was all of God's fullness. And he was pleased to live in him. So all of God was in Jesus. All right. So we got that. Verse 20. And through him, Jesus, God reconciled or he brought back. He restored everything. Okay. God, okay, through Jesus, brought back and restored everything. Remember the sin we talked about? Okay, that made us, okay, he restored everything. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the blood of Jesus on the cross. Someone say that's good news. That's very good news. Okay. It says, verse 21, it says, this includes you who were once far away from God. It says, you are his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. So you, it's talking about how we once were. If you're a believer, how you once were. If you're not a believer, it's how you are. Okay? If you've never made that decision, if you've never made that commitment, it's who you are. It's not that he's an enemy to you. You're an enemy to him. Do you understand that? He's not trying to get you, but everything you do is a sin against him. Okay? It says we are his enemies. And Jesus says in Matthew, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He says, love your enemies. Jesus is not going to give us a commandment that he isn't already himself following. What's not already in his heart. So if he's saying love your enemies, guess what? That's because he loved us when we were enemies. So even though you're here tonight going, I'm an enemy to God. He loves you. He loves you. That's who we were. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were hostile to God, he still loved us and gave us the only son, Jesus Christ, up for us on the cross. 
If you have never made that decision ever, ever, you never can remember of making that commitment saying, you know, I don't think I've ever really told God that I'm his. I think I might have fallen into one of those myth things, you know. It could be. It happens. This is Oklahoma. We know people who have done that, right? Probably work with some. Don't nudge your neighbor. Don't do that. But if you've never made that decision, I want to give you an opportunity to make that tonight. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.15, it says, He died for all, that those who live might not no, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for your sake. So that we might, who live, we might no longer live for ourselves, but we're going to live for him who died and was raised. It's an exchange. You're trading in your old ways for his ways. You're trading in your old path for his path. You're giving up things through your lenses seemed good and right and just, but through the cross, it was offensive and it pushed you away. And I want to give you an opportunity tonight, this evening to do that. And we're going to do that actually real quick. And so what I want you to do in your notebooks, your handy dandy notebooks, if you need to do that, I, I, I'm going to pray for you. We're all going to join with you in prayer. But I want you, particularly this evening, to tell one of the prayer minister teams that you made that commitment. And so can we all just pray together? We're all going to do this together. So let's all close. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. You can pray with your eyes open. You really can. Okay. Jesus, I, just, I decide I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm no longer going my own way. And I choose to go the way you've called me to go. I believe, Jesus, that you are the son. The only way to God. You died for my sin. And I believe, Lord, that I'm going to see you again. And now I'm in right relationship with you. Amen. Woohoo! Yeah. It's important to be on that page. So if how many of you have prayed that? Prayed that from your heart for the first time or brand new tonight? Is anybody brave enough to raise your hand? How many of you prayed that? If you did, uh, uh I love you. Someone give her a hug. She needs a hug. I know. Thank you. First time. Amen. Oh, that's so special to me. Thank you, Jesus. It says when one person goes to Christ, that the angels in heaven rejoice. (laughs) That there is a party in heaven. (laughs) So this party is for you. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so here we go. Now we're on that page. Let's go to the next lens, shall we? All right. Okay, so we're going to Colossians 1.22. It says, so now you have been reconciled, which means bought back and restored to himself, to himself through the death of Christ. Okay, you got that? You've been brought back. To God, 
through the cross in his physical body. So now you're in Christ. As a result, he has brought you into his presence. Okay, so now you're here. You're in his presence. Okay, and Alyssa, I'm going to use you because I know you. Come on, lady. Okay, so this is what he's done. He's presented you. Come here, lady. Yeah, you're coming. Okay. Yeah, I know this girl. She's good. Okay. Okay, so this is what Jesus has done. All right? Now he's going to present you. He presents you holy. He presents you blameless. He presents you without fault or above reproach. (laughs) This is how he now sees you. Holy, blameless, without fault. (laughs) Through his lens, this is how he sees you now. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Thank you, lovey. You know, it's really sad. I know this is not often taught in some churches. Sometimes you go to church and it's like, how bad can we make you feel? Let me tell you about everything and how horrible you are. And you're like, what do I do? What do I do? Well, let's see how he said it's in the word, how he sees you holy and blameless without fault. And that is just good news. It says in Romans 8, 1 and 2. Okay. It says that there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Okay, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So how he sees you, no longer condemning, bad, bad, Lisa. Have you ever felt like that for yourself? Like, oh, I'm just so bad. I'm so bad. Don't look at me. I'm just bad. I'm bad. He doesn't see you that way. No more. No longer does he see you. Sometimes we see ourselves that way. We get hung up in those things. And we don't see ourselves the way he sees us. It says now. (laughs) And then it says in verse, let's go down to... Colossians 1, 23, it says, but, that's how he sees this, but you must continue to remain, to abide, and to live in the faith. That's how he sees you, but it says, but you must continue, you must abide, you must re- live in the faith, and stand firmly in it, or be steadfast. Don't drift away from the hope of the gospel you heard. The gospel, the revelation, the good news of Jesus, don't drift away from that. Stand firmly in what you were told, in the good news. It's a choice to be stable. It's a choice not to run away. It's something that we get to choose to do. Our ashes is not about how God sees us. Our ashes are about how we see us. Because no longer does he see us that way, but we see ourselves that way, don't we? We see how horrible, awful. I mean, we are our our own worst enemy. There is nobody more against us than us. 
Do we understand what was purchased for us on that cross? Do we understand fully? And that because of the cross, we now stand righteous before God. It says that you are a new creation. The old has gone. A new life has begun. That he no longer counts our sins against us. It says that we have peace with God because of the cross. I'm making a point. I hope you get that. How he sees us. I'm going to tell you a story. I have a 10-year-old daughter, almost 11. And I was taking her to kind of surprise us, taking her to the movie theaters for a surprise. And we were a little bit early to the movie, and I didn't want to reveal to her quite yet what we were doing. So we started driving around the neighborhood. And it was pitch black. It was dark out. So we're driving, and I have my headlights on. You know, we're just driving down the road. And all of a sudden, boom, we hit this huge pothole. Now, in my family, I'm called Pothole Queen, okay? Like, if there is a hole in the road, I'm going to hit it. I just, I don't know. If there's an animal, like a squirrel, and my son, bam, there's a squirrel, and I swerve to miss it, I'm going to hit it. It's just how it is. Like, Oh, there's a curb. Oops. Boop. You know, like, it just doesn't fail. <laughs> so I go this big, like, boom, and Julia's eyes gets real big, and I'm like, oops. <laughs> Hit a hole. <laughs> okay, I didn't see that. It just kind of jumped out at me, you know. So I go around the block, driving around. Okay, and it wasted five, ten minutes. Okay, and she's like, Mom, where are we going? Like, it's a surprise. Just wait. So I have to go down this road again, and I turn down, and we're driving, and Boom! I hit the same hole. The exact same one. And it was, it was pretty deep. And I'm like, oh, CJ's going to kill me. But you know what? I had my headlights on. My lights were on. I didn't see it. And doesn't life do that to you sometimes? You're walking. You're thinking everything's great. Everything's grand. I got the whole wide world in the palm. Okay, sorry. It's a song. You just think everything's good, and all of a sudden, bam, something gets up and bites you. Something you don't expect just kind of jumps out at you. You're like, whoa, what happened? My lights were on. I was walking with Jesus. I'm not away from God. But life happened. Something happened to you. That happens to some of us. It can be, you can find yourself in a situation you never would have chosen for yourself. Lisa, um, I'm in a divorce. Never would have thought I would have gotten a divorce. Lisa, I lost a really close loved one. I was not expecting that. Lisa, I lost my job. Been working there for 20 years. It's gone. Lisa, Something bad happened. I got sick. I have this illness. Maybe someone close to you has an illness and you have to take care of them. And you never were expecting that. You never would have chosen the circumstances that you were in for you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like if you could do your life, it would look like this. Like beautiful and flowers. If I could drive down any road in Oklahoma, I wish all the roads in Oklahoma were awesome. No potholes at all. Oklahoma just does not agree with me. 
Sometimes life does that. It does not agree with you. And it hits you and it takes you places that you did not expect to go. And it says in the world to what? Stand firm. Stand firm. Be steadfast. Do not walk away. And sometimes, for some of us, that's the first thing that we do. All he has to do is, you know, oh, you have no money. Okay, never mind, Jesus. I'm going to go do my old things. And we run away immediately. That's the enemy's plan. As soon as something bad happens, well, something happened. My kids were sick for a straight month, and oh, well, I tried this Jesus thing, and it didn't work. You heard that? And it says to stand forth, continue in the faith, continue in what the path you first started going down, continue in that. Continue in that. Romans 5.2, it says, Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I'm going to take this apart because this is such, such a powerful verse. And it seems so unbecoming, like, just like, well, what is that? What is that? But I started doing a little bit of digging. It says, in him, it says, we have obtained. First word, obtained. That means to hold in the sense of wearing. Okay? To obtain. So far, we've obtained. So we're holding in the sense of wearing, what you're wearing. The second definition. It says, to hold possession of the mind. Okay? So obtaining. So now to hold possession of the mind. And it refers to the alarm and agitating emotions. The roaring of the enemy that says, no, you're not good enough. No, you're not doing this thing right. How about Lisa? I'm always misunderstood. Nobody likes me. I can never be forgiven. If you really knew what I did or how my past was, I could never be forgiven. Maybe some of the thoughts are, you're not what people think you are. Or who do you think you are for God to bless you? Some of you have thoughts. Saying things like, you know, you are so, I'm so stupid for, for me to even believe that God could speak through me. What can God do with me? I'm just dumb. I'm just rags. I'm full of shame. I've messed, I always mess up. I always screw up. Some of the times those thoughts come and they scream. They scream at us. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, stay alert. Be sober-minded. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. It doesn't say he is a roaring lion. It says like. It says a roaring lion. Those thoughts, those beliefs that are screaming at you, saying this is who you are. This is the truth. The enemy screaming at you. So it's what we're wearing in our mind. To obtain, to wear, 
It says we have obtained access. Access. Access is that relationship with God where we are acceptable to him and have assurance that he is favorably disposed and inclined toward us. Okay, so here we go. We wear in our minds that relationship where we are acceptable to him and we have assurance that he is favorably inclined and willing toward us. Like we believe that. Like we wear it. Like we really believe that we have favor with him. He doesn't just tolerate us. He doesn't just put up with you. Like he totally is total in love with you. And he's so excited about you. And that's what we're to, pay, to wear in our mind, to obtain access, that place that we wear in our minds, that we have assurance that he is favorably disposed, inclined, he's willing, he's toward us, versus just being tolerated. And then it says we have access, and it says by faith. We have this access. We have that belief. We have to hold on to those patterns, and we do it by faith. And this is about your faith. In 1 Peter 1.7, it says, Your faith, which is more precious than gold. Do I have that up there? That's 1.8. 1 Peter 1.7. I said 8. Sorry. It says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is more precious than gold. That your faith may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So your faith, how precious that is. In Hebrews 11.6, it says, it's with, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith. Faith is pretty important. So when he looks at you and he sees faith, that's precious. You know what gold is? It's like something to want. Like, it's gold. It's more precious than a shopping card. It's more precious than gold. And without it, we can't please God. For just by that simple act of faith, do we even accept him? Do we even come into knowing him? Is by our faith. I see faith as having two parts. Hebrews 11.1. 1. The first part, it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Okay? Versus assurance of what you know. It's what is you know is real. What you're convinced of. Like what you know, you know, you know in your heart. Like we believe Jesus. We believe Jesus is God. No, I mean, we know that. Like, it's, it's known in our heart. Like, people could come and tell me, they said, that's not real. No one can, can talk me out of my, my, my faith in God. That part is real. That part is, I'm fully convinced. It's that knowing. There's different levels of that assurance. We all are at different levels of that faith, but we know. Like, I know for something, if I needed food tomorrow and my, cupboards were bare, I know I would not go hungry. 
because I know that God takes care of all of my needs. He has shown that over and over to me. Different levels, we're all in different walks and areas of our walk, and that assurance that we know. When my boys, I have six kids, five boys and one little girl, and when my boys were young and I, we prayed for them, and I know God took such good care of them, and they had such a great relationship with Jesus growing up. It was awesome. And I, tr- I fully had full trust in the Lord. I had faith that they knew Jesus. Well, all of a sudden, my oldest turned 17 or 18. And I was like, ah, he's going to leave home pretty soon. Jesus, can I trust you in this? Like, this is scary. And I started questioning. My faith was kind of being challenged a bit. Like, okay, I know you're real here, God. I know that. But are you real over here? Are you real in this area of my life? The second thing of faith. In Hebrews 11.6, it says, it's the assurance of things hoped for. It says the second is the conviction or proof or evidence Things that are tested of things not seen. It's the unseen, that area that's tested, that has to be proven, that conviction, that area that stretches you. Lord, I'm going on a mission trip next month, and um, it's really scary. (laughs) I don't know if I can do this. Maybe your car broke down, and you're like, Jesus, can I trust you with this? This is kind of, I don't know. Maybe you're in a, a really weird place in life, and you're like, Jesus, can I trust you with this? My faith is not quite here yet. It hasn't been. It's not quite there. This is scary. This is something I know, and this is scary. And he pulls us in, because that's what relationship does. He takes you by the hand and says, yeah, daughter, you can trust me. In Mark um, 9, 23 through 25, real quick, it's a parable of a father who brought his son with an evil spirit to Jesus. And he was, you know, falling on the floor and doing things that, I guess, little kids with demons do. I'm I'm sure it's a pretty scary sight. Brings him to Jesus. Jesus tells the father, he says, all things are possible for one who believes. The father says to Jesus, Jesus! I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus, I really want to believe this is true, but please help me in the areas that I, I, that's stretching my faith. So we see that with Jesus. It says faith in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. Hearing what voice? What voice are we hearing? It says hearing the word of God. See, we can, like, we, so many things speak to us. So many voices speak to us. That's what we have faith for. What's our faith in? My husband, a few years ago, went to Iraq when it was really scary over there. It still is scary, I know, but like when the war first brought, came out and they started uh, hanging people publicly, like the, Contractors, when that happened, CJ was in Jordan getting ready to go into Iraq. So let me back up. C- 
CJ, um, a friend called him and wanted to go over to Iraq. There were some missionaries over there. And um, I, I felt, you know, just prayed about it. I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because he never goes any place unless I have peace in my heart. I mean, you know, I have peace with God. So he was asking me to pray, and I prayed. And I was like, you know, I feel okay about this. It's bad things are happening. You know, there's a war. I visited with the people who are over there. He wanted to go and just, they were going to encourage some missionaries who are currently over there. Well, CJ's like, okay, great. Now I have to tell my mom. Like, me is easy, but then is his mom. And his mom's like, you're going, what? Don't you know there's a war over there? <laughs> yeah, mom, I know. Let me speak to Lisa. Because she's like, hey, I'm going to talk to Lisa, and she's going to make you stay home. Because that's just foolish. So she talks to me, and it is so interesting. She's like, what do you think? What about this? What's, what's all about this? She's going to go over there. Aren't you scared? And I said, you know, I trust Jesus. My full faith is in God. It's not in God because he's going to do what I want him to do. It's because I trust him. Period. Sometimes we trust God for what we want. Lord, I trust you if everything turns out just how I want. And then it doesn't turn out that way. And you're like, God's not real. What's wrong with God? I'm mad at God. That's not faith. Faith isn't believing in him for what you want. It's that he's never going to let you go. It's that his outlook, his lenses on you is always, always the same. I trust him, period. No strings attached. That's the part of the faith that's unknown. I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, Jesus didn't say, your husband's going to come home, Lisa, and it's going to be okay. And oh, by the way, while after he flies all those hours, they're actually going to hang contractors from a bridge. And he's going to drive right underneath it. He didn't tell me that. But talking to his mom, I was like, I trust him. I trust God for whatever. Whatever happens, I trust him. So it's about our faith. Letting fear rule. <laughs> who, is, who is speaking to you? Who are you believing? Everything needs to be viewed through the word of God and the cross. And you know, the word of God is really Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was God, word was with God, verse 14, John 1, 14, it says, and the word became flesh and lived among us. Through the word of God on the cross, everything needs to be viewed through him. That's an invaluable part of our faith. Faith is a part of our arising. It's what we choose. It's what we listen to. It's what we believe. That's the arise out of the ashes. What's holding you? What's screaming and yelling at you? What do you choose to possess in your mind? 
What are you choosing to grab hold of? And you're doing it by faith. Through him, we have obtained access by faith. The next part in Romans 5, 2, the next part of it, it says, Into, I'm gonna go over here. Through, through him, we have obtained access by faith into this grace, which we now stand. It's not our ability. It's grace. It says that we're standing in grace. So it's like, this is too hard. This is too hard to get a control of this. Well, there's grace. You're standing in grace. What are we standing in? (laughs) To stand is make firm, keeping your place, immovable. We stand. We're standing here. Definition of grace, because we have so many different definitions of grace, and I'll go through that tomorrow. So many things that we think grace is, but here is the actual meaning in Greek. Can you put that up so we can kind of look at that together? Grace is. Do we have it? We don't have it. Okay, then you know what? I will read it to you. It says, that which affords joy. It's in your notebooks, actually. That which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, goodwill, and favor. That's grace. It's the heart of God. Into this grace which we now stand. Into this joy which we now stand. Into his pleasure which we now stand. Into his delight which we now stand. We're standing in his goodwill into this grace. That's the heart of God for you. Joy and pleasure and delight and sweetness and charm and loveliness. And that's what makes you able to stand is in that grace. It's that grace. That's a good thing. That's a good thing how he now sees you. It's more than just ability. It's his favor. It's his love. When it says, my grace is sufficient for you, it's more than enough. My power is made perfect in weakness. We look through the lens of joy and pleasure. That's grace. That's grace. And it also says, the next of the, that verse in Romans 5, 2, it says, let us also rejoice or boast in hope. Hope is joyful and confident expectation of the glory of God. Most glorious condition, the most excellent state. We have hope. There's no such thing as a hopeless situation if you are in Christ. Colossians 1:27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, there's hope. Hope lives in you because it's Jesus who is inside and he does not know the impossible. No matter what you're standing in, there is no such thing as impossible. And then it says, and he is pleased to make this mystery known to you out of his pleasure. There is no such thing as hopelessness. We are no longer seen through the lens of sin. 
death, or judgment. Choosing his ways over our ways. We choose to stand firmly in holiness and being blameless above reproach with no condemnation in our life. We choose to stay the course of taking up his life and his ways. No longer living for ourselves, but for Jesus. We choose to wear in our minds that we are acceptable to him and we have favor with him. And I choose not to believe the roaring of the enemy when he screams at me. I will allow my faith to be stretched and trust in him. And I will receive his joy, his pleasure, his delight, his sweetness, his loveliness, his favor, his loving kindness. I will receive his grace. Let's stand. Prayer ministers, why don't you just kind of go to your spots, if you would, please. <clears throat> and and uh, Omid, could you play the, some music for me, please? Thank you. Some of you here, maybe you've gone through some of those potholes in your life. Maybe you have hit... Some things that you're like, oh my goodness, this totally took me by surprise. And it's stretching your faith. And you have to just be told and you have to know that, that there is no hopeless situation. That no matter how dark things look, it is never going to be impossible. Some of you are listening to those roars of the lion and they scream at you constantly. You can't do this. You're not good enough at this. You know, sister so-and-so is so much better at that than you. Why don't she just do this? Some of us are actually walking through some sin. Maybe that is our ash. I had the pleasure of walking through young ladies through some sin the last couple months that they've been. They were like, Lisa, I done did, messed up. I just did it. And it was such a pleasure to reach out to them and remind them of who they were in Christ and how God loves them. And restore them back to Jesus. Maybe that's your ash. The roaring of the lions. The unworthiness. The faith. Maybe you just need to come back to the Lord. Maybe every time you hit a pothole, you're gone. And you need to say, Jesus, can we just push reset? I have done that in my life so many times. I have gone, Jesus, can I just start over again? Okay, I believe, <laughs> I believe in you, I give my life to you. You know, I said my own sinner's prayer. I've done that many times. And man, he's always, man, there is just no condemnation. He's not battering me with his eyes, with his bat, with his words. All he is doing is just loving me. And he wants to love you. He wants you to see yourself as he sees you. And he takes great delight in showing you his ways. Maybe there's someone else here who has never accepted the Lord for the first time. Maybe that's it. Maybe you're like, you know, I didn't pray the prayer. But maybe I should. Let's get prayer. 
wherever you're at, I want you to choose to arise. I want you to choose to grab onto that faith that seems impossible, that's never been tried and trusted in your heart, and run after him. And that's, a, that's an okay place to be. You're not bad for being in that place. So let's pray. I want to pray. And then I'm just going to open this area. Come receive prayer. Write in your journals. Write your thoughts out to the Lord. Lord, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going through. Maybe you need to go back and you need to write some ashes down on the blackboard. That's fine. But but be here for you. Let's be real. Let's be honest with yourselves. Be honest with Jesus. Father God, I just thank you, Lord God, for what you're revealing right now. I just release, Lord, your love. I release your favor. I release your goodness. I release your pleasure. Are these women in Jesus' name that they're no longer tolerated? They no longer see themselves as tolerated, but that you celebrate them. That you are so madly in love with them that they will choose to wear who you are in their minds. They're going to grab hold of what's in their minds, God. They're going to wear it, that they are favorable and loved greatly by you. And I just thank you, Lord God. I just speak blessings on these women in Jesus' name. Amen. Come up. Come receive. All, even the back, there's prayer ministers.